Welcome to The Great People Show, your guide to greatness, your GPS to excellence. Here's your host, J.J. White. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to The Great People Show. I am your host, J.J. White, and with us is a guest in The Great People Studio, well, we have our, of course, our uh, our co-host James Muncy. I don't want to shortchange you. James. That's okay. I'm, I'm good, good morning. I was about ready to I was about ready to leapfrog right over you. But there's buddy. a much more important person. No, in the room I was today. I, I, I was getting a little I was getting a little too ahead of myself here. Get a little little, little too excited. Uh, What's, uh, how are you this morning? I'm I'm doing well. But as you said, we've got a, a rose between the two thorns oh, here today. Actually, there's multiple thorns and one very very wonderful rose. In the name of Marie Ringler. Welcome to the show, Marie. Oh, thank you, JJ. I feel like I am surrounded by celebrities. Have you yeah. uh, have you ever been on the radio, Marie? Two other times. Okay, we haven't. So just tell us how this <laughs> is. <laughs> tell, working on it. T- tell us how we're doing here, if we're uh, on the right track or not. So we want to thank you all for joining us here this morning. If you're listening to us locally on um, 97.7 FM or 820 AM, The Answer in Richmond, streaming live, 820theanswer.com. And of course... Live in the studio, facebook.com slash great people show. If you want to see what uh, two thorns in a rose look like, that's right. Live and in living color, come check us out. And the great people show, we are your guide to greatness. And what is greatness? We, we've talked about this so many times on the show since the show started. And, and I think people get confused on what we mean by great. I think our society is, is wrapped around trying to just be better for ourselves. And we said a long time ago, greatness isn't just about you. Mm. Very true. As a matter of fact, I get asked all the time when for people who haven't maybe watched to say, so does this mean that you and JJ are the great people? Uh, I, I'm, I'm mm. concerned about that. Yeah. Like, like, like we, we are the role models of greatness. Yeah. And We've if, got and, it figured out. And if you just <sighs> hang with us a little bit, you know, I'll just dust a little greatness pixie dust on you and all of a sudden the this, the clouds open up i want some of that come on over well, it's, <laughs> but know, it's not it's the pretty, case it's already pretty tight i don't think we have to i mean i think i think we're already in, in the same airspace here so we also want to thank our sponsors it's it's getting really close to christmas now marie you have grandchildren how old are your grandkids i have four i have a six-year-old a five-year-old a three-year-old and a two-year-old you know what would be perfect for christmas and we have multiple sets of this in the Great People Locker around the corner. Mm. A Ginger Kid toy. These are high quality heirloom wooden toys. In in the they're particular beautiful. one, they're they're amazing. And the one we have in the studio that we're going to play with here today is about taking fruits and veggies and making combinations. And uh, James clearly is not uh, uh, aware of what a tomato and an onion should look like together. I well, worked it out. It's, we okay. just started All right. changing. Yeah, well, they, they're, they are adult fidget spinners. You can hang out with us for a while. <laughs> so so we have a guest here this morning. The reason that Marie is with us, last night we had the honor to present Chesterfield County Government, which is a very large government here in Richmond, Virginia, with a Global Leadership Award. Mm. And uh, the, the award is, uh, most of you know that I own a Dale Carnegie franchise here in town in, in Virginia, and the award is, is a Global Award from Dale Carnegie. And Marie is a, a shareholder of Dale Carnegie and Associates. And, and what a lot of people don't realize, it's grand, it's Dale Carnegie's granddaughter here. Like, we've got Dale Carnegie blood in the in, in, mm. in the studio. Like, talk about rubbing off celebrity yeah, no, that's here. That's what I was about to Holy say. Holy smokes. No kidding. Holy smokes. And, they, and they, they did, they did uh, notify us last night that they, they were with a celebrity. Uh, they, they looked at Marie and they, in, the, in the presentation said, wow, you're a celebrity. It's that's like, just because of how you introduced me. Okay. So I appreciate enough. that. Fair enough. Um, 
So whenever we started to prepare for the show, of course, we always say, hey, what's what's this particular show going to be about? And and I've really come into this as like, I, I want Marie to add an extra level of awareness and awakening into us because I have known you, Marie, for uh, over 50, probably about 15 years, I'd mm-hmm. say, 12 to 15 years. I notice the older we get, the harder it is to figure out how long you've actually done something or known something. So when we not when when you and I first met, there were some qualities about you, Marie, that I was just uh, in all over. Mm. I just absolutely in all over. And uh, before I get too far into you and 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 inflate your head so big, because we don't have a ton of space here in the studio, uh, I would like to know from your perspective, what do you believe are the qualities and traits required for greatness in today's world? You know, as you two were talking about that. I think greatness comes when you have enough confidence to let go of yourself, to let the ego go, and to think about how can I give back to others. So it stops mm. being about yourself. Greatness is about figuring out how to lift your community, lift your people, lift the, the people that surround you because you don't have to be great because mm-hmm. you have enough confidence that you have what you need and it's not about you. It's about others. Yeah. Mm. And one of the words that I hear that you didn't use that I have been thinking about often that I think you dovetailed perfectly is, is knowing who the true, who your true self is. Mm-hmm. I, I, th- I think we live in a world now where we, in a very general sense, are confused about who we are, who we should be, who we want, who, who other people want us to be. And, and, and then there's all this pressure to – you go on Facebook and you see very successful people and then you start slapping your head in your hand. You go, why am I not that successful? And we start comparing ourselves to other people. And is that something that you see often with other people that they really don't know who they are? I think there's an expectation where we work, in our family, about who we are. And we begin to put on these facades, these masks, until we forget they're even there. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Dale Carnegie has allowed me to – Figure out how do you take off those masks? How do you be authentic and let people see who you are and not be afraid of how they're going to perceive you? But that's dangerous, though. I mean, if, if we start to, like, just throw all of you out there and let them see, like, I, I you know, there's there's certain things that pop through my head and moments I have in my life where people saw what was going on or I popped open the hood. They'd be like, wow, you're messed up, man. Well, JJ, there's times that we have to be quiet. <laughs> Although on the radio, that probably is not the best time. Right. But we don't have to tell them everything. Yeah. Um, but we can be authentic and supportive. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, it, I did not say this was easy either. Yeah. yeah. Um, if you're afraid to let people look under the hood, are you truly the person you want to be? Yeah. Are you in alignment with your vision of who you want to be on a day-to-day basis. Well, I think that's another important part. I don't think most people have a vision. They, 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 or they have, they have, they have things so scripted in their life that they have to follow this very specific path. And if they don't, then there's brokenness. Mm. And often that path isn't even our path. It's the path that our, our parents told us we need to take. It's the path that our spouse wants to go. Uh, we just literally watch other people and say, oh, I'm supposed to do it that way. Yeah, but it's not our greatest learning opportunity in the brokenness and not when everything is going perfect. Yeah. It is when we get broken enough where we have to put the pieces back together and figure out what are our, what are our priorities, what's most important, that we have the possibility and potential for, for yeah. having that leap. And it, it seems to me that a lot of people only find this much later in their life. 
And I, I've met a number of people, and we talk on the show a lot about our, our calling and what is your why. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people, it takes until they are grandparents before they, they figure that out. And a lot of people have a lot of regret about that because once they found it, it's so awesome for them. And they wish that they discovered that 40 years ago. But I think that's easier said than done. Yes, but that, again, how do we get there? Mm-hmm. Life isn't about being perfect or, you know, it is a gradual progression. And by the way, being a grandparent rocks. I know you two are not there yet, but it is best spot to be in. I per- <laughs> Highly I, I recommend pretend, it. I pretend my children have children. <laughs> just just so I could one day bask in the glory of saying, oh, see, this is what I went through with you, and now you have to. So I'm kind of, I'm actually training, I'm training them to become parents so that I can somehow just get payback. It is them. a sweet yeah. spot to be in. Well, when we come back, we're going to talk a lot more about this. And uh, so stick around. Great People Show coming right back here with our special guest. Lots more to discuss. Stay right here. Facebook Live. And, of course, on AM220 and FM 97.7. All right, everyone. Welcome back to The Great People Show. If you want to call and be a part of today's show, the number is 804 454 1366 804-454-1366. And in the studio today, we have our very first ever guest. Marie Ringler comes to us from the glorious city of Austin, Texas. And before we were... Uh, <laughs> go Longhorns. Don't, 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 do not <laughs> bring go. that mess up in here. You are in hokey country, okay? Uh, it's more specifically, actually, you're in VCU country because, you know, the VCU basketball coach. Went they to, have went, been great. Went to te- but he went to Texas. We lost a good coach. He I went saw. to Texas. He came back, I think it was last yeah, week. Yeah, last week. And it didn't go very well for VCU. It did not. Shaka kind of left giggling, I believe, yeah. on that whole event. But anyway, but um, just so you know, we don't want you to get hurt before we get you to the airport later today. No, we're not violent people. We're just very passionate about sports. We are. Kind of like. Texas people are. I, I'm not worried, JJ. <laughs> okay, good. That's you've, really not well, my team got, I support. You okay. know my team. Well, and you're surrounded by by pure muscle here in the studio. And I want to just talk <laughs> about something real quick before we get too far into it. I was thinking about this morning, specifically when I woke up and I looked in the mirror and said, my gosh, I'm getting fat. Mm-hmm. And then I, I very quickly said to myself, well, you know, it is that time of the year where I eat poorly. And then I started to want to define that greater. And I started to realize when I say this time of the year. Right. I actually mean from about July 1st to December 31st. Right. No, that's right. That's and, and understandable. Then, and then when you get into January, it's the other time of the year in which I eat poorly. So, you know, from January 1st to mm. pretty much June 30th. But for about two days, you'll have that resolution that you'll hold to. So you'll be good from like January 1st until January 3rd. Uh, Can I recommend some I fruits know. and vegetables? I don't know. Uh, you might need to recommend a dentist after this one because um, they're all made of uh, heirloom wood toys. So uh, we were talking earlier about... Well, we were talking, starting talking about grandkids, and, mm-hmm. and I want to ask you a question because you and I were talking yesterday. Um, what what is your what have you found to be your calling in life so far? And I'm saying that 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 very specifically because we we talk about calling here on the show. The show very much is about people finding their calling and fulfilling their calling. And I'm curious what you've noticed about yourself and your calling through your your journey. Mm. It's a hard question. It's well, for everyone. It's a hard question. I don't normally tell people 
But it's, since it's just James and you. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Well, don't forget Asher. And Asher. Um, my calling is to love and to be loved, okay. which sounds very simple, but there is definitely a spiritual calling in that. Yeah, it's broad, to, too. To learn to love yourself and to give to others. You know, we are not perfect people. Mm -hmm. People step on your toes and they hurt you. To love and to be loved is to see different perspectives and to appreciate who they are, to know that within them there is a potential and that they didn't intentionally, um, with their eyes wide open, hurt you. How do you get underneath that to get to a different level? So uh, you obviously have to put yourself out there a lot to love in order to not just be loved back but also be heartbroken over people's uh, weakness, their, their sin, their, their you know, their, their, we're not perfect, as you said. I'm curious what you do to put yourself out there to fulfill that calling. Because mm. you can't sit, you cannot fulfill that calling sitting on the couch eating potato chips. Gosh, JJ. I wish we could. Yeah. Um, there have probably been times in my life where I was more actively out there doing it. Mm -hmm. Starting Bible studies, um, Today, it is just about my walk. Okay. It is about what I do every single day. Um, I am a trainer. I do internal as well as external customers. Um, to listen to their story and to hear their struggles and to figure out how I can make a difference and add value to them yeah. is the best way I know to live that philosophy. Yeah, yeah and, I, and uh, I, I'm, I'm 43, and I'm still in awe over how I think I've— really found what I'm supposed to be called to do. And then, oh, look, there's a little bit more to it. I like yours because it's it's very all-encompassing. Um, I think especially earlier in life, if you're in your 20s and, and even into your 30s, you feel like it has to be absolutely specific. Like I'm called to go to Europe and be a doctor or I'm called to be a financial advisor in mm. this particular city. It's so much wrapped up in the vocation because that's where we spend most of our time. Um. Well, I want to hear what your calling is. Okay. And I don't think it's to go to Europe and be a doctor. I uh, could be no, wrong. It's but, not. You're um, not wrong. But I'll go back to even the Bible study. I was raised in a Methodist church, married a Catholic, and to be called to do a Bible study in a Catholic church, to be put on their leadership team, and to right in the middle of an agenda say, we need to pray. Mm -hmm. It's not standard. Yeah, that um, doesn't really fit the script, does um, it? But when I when I hear you need to pray now, I do that. Yeah. Um, and there are a few people out there that know they can call me, and when they need prayer, I will do that for them. That's awesome. Yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna slightly shift the subject, but we're not gonna get too far off of it. I want to yeah. get back to the kids and grandkids around the calling because James and I have discovered this a lot in the show. When we ask someone what's your purpose, yeah. And if you're a parent, it's always the same answer: right. to be a parent. My mm -hmm. purpose is to be a parent. Um, what is your why? Well, my, my why is my kids, right? Yep. Whenever you use the word calling, though, mm. it, it, it confuses people. Kids typically isn't the right answer. Or no, I shouldn't say right answer. For, for them in the moment, they don't feel it's the right answer. And now that you're a parent of four children, um, yeah. three girls and a boy, yeah. and multiple grandkids, I would assume more coming, maybe, not that I know of so oh, far, okay. but that, right. I hey. would welcome them any time. Okay. Um, <laughs> how does that fit into having having children and having grandchildren? Like, how does one separate that or should they separate that from what they feel like 
this little time that we have on earth. It's just a little bit of time. It's just like a little blink. Well, let me back up a little bit. My okay. husband, well, don't back up too far. We don't well, have a lot of room I, in here. Well, <laughs> my husband was active duty for 26 years. We moved off. And having four children, I, um, I was absolutely with them, supported them by being a Girl Scout leader, soccer coach, Odyssey of the Mind coach, whatever I could do to be involved with them, mm-hmm. I was I was there to be involved with who they are and their development process. My view was always, I hope they grow up and they can be independent. They can make a living so that if something were to happen to me, I don't ever have to worry. Yeah. That they, they know who they are, they have solid values, they have each other, mm-hmm. they connect with each other. Um, J.J., last year, my youngest, who's 26, called up the other siblings and said, hey, for my birthday, I'm going to New Orleans. I'm going to have a great time. Love you to come down and join me. By the way, spouses are not invited. This is just about us. Nice. And everybody got on board, all the siblings. They did not invite us. Uh Uh (laughs) They went down without us, Uh which is awesome. To have your kids after, you know what? You Absolutely. Cr- you and they're all it. over, the, they're all, I she didn't know about up it. anyway. That would have been fun. <laughs> my son, the only thing he said, my son is 6'5", he said, love to go. I'm too old to share a bed with anybody. <laughs> if I go, I get my own bed. So they yeah. had two rooms. But that was the only one that gave input about how it would be. Huh. So to me, that says they're okay. They're solid in where yeah. they are. They know who they are. Um, it's not about where they're living. They'll support each other. And that I have done my job to be a grandparent. Now that's a whole different well, angle. Be, well, before you go to the grandparent, let's yeah. let's let's hold that one just for a minute because right. I want to I want to chase this rabbit down the hole on on the parent thing. So right. I asked you at the top of the show, what do you think are the greatest qual- What do you think are the most important qualities in order to achieve greatness in this life? As you look at your successful mission with your children on on independence, as you look at your children, what are some things that you see in them that you're very proud of as a parent that say, mm-hmm. "Wow." They're great people. I, mm. I I did my job. They turned out great. Why would you say that about your children? What are those specific qualities about them? Well, they're all different. Kim, my oldest one, is in academia. She's got her Ph.D. She is um, incredible at engaging and thinking. I was watching her with my two grandchildren in Boston. And uh, as she engages with people, she does it through questioning. There's a concept Um, It's about, you know, tell me a story about whatever that toy is about. She she knows how to engage Mm -hmm. multiple levels. Um, She's really amazing. Uh, She has great values. Has she always been that way? I remember in sixth grade, the teacher accused me of writing her paper. She's an incredible. (laughs) That's a good sign. I had four children. I was not writing anybody's sixth grade (laughs) paper. (laughs) Um, She's a great writer. She... um, she told me that living on Guam where she was a minority was a gift to her because she looks at people differently. Mm. Um, to be a minority is to understand how you were treated either in a right way or a wrong way. And, and so she has friends globally. She is fluent in Italian and, and Japanese. Um, but how she treats people, I think, goes back to a period where she was a minority. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw something out there that, I, yeah. that just – I was literally taking one piece out of just about every sentence you were saying there. It seemed like that this process was built within her that 
uh, it starts with curiosity, specifically mm-hmm. curiosity about other people. And this is where Sam and I sometimes can disagree because I'll come home and she'll tell me something and I'll ask her these 30 questions. And she's like, I would never ask them those questions. You are so nosy. I said, no, I'm curious. It's a, there's a difference, right? So it starts off with, with curiosity. Mm-hmm. And if you get to know someone else or other people very well, it actually starts to shape your thankfulness. Because then Mm. you start to hear what other people, because normally if you say, hey, how's it going? You're going to hear, oh, good or not so good. And then you're going to hear a lot of truth coming out if there's a good relationship there. And you start comparing it to your life and you went, wow, I've got a lot to be thankful for. So Mm. it's hard to be thankful for what you have if you don't know more about what other people are going through. And then that starts to influence how you treat other people. And, And that is probably one of the biggest challenges I see in our society today is that we really don't know how to treat other people. It doesn't take very long to be on Facebook to see people tearing into each other simply because of their belief system. And they have absolutely no idea really anything about that person. Mm. And and they they have nothing to really be thankful for. And they don't really have anything to translate into being able to treat somebody else another way. It's not, it's not very natural for us, I think, for most people to just shower people with thankfulness. It's, it's because we're so self-centered. Yeah, but I'm not sure that's intentional. I think uh, people that are treating you that way may be blind to it, don't understand that value system came yeah. within there. Yeah. Um, and they don't care. I, I hate to say that. Sometimes. But I think we're just missing a big piece of society where people care about other people. Mm-hmm. So on today's show, we are talking to Marie Ringler, who is our special guest in the studio. Uh, as she said up front, the rose between the thorns, mm-hmm. I cannot disagree with that, to call and be a part of our show, 804-454-1366. Because today we're we're talking about a lot of different things, but specifically it's how, how do we look at ourselves differently mm-hmm. so that we can look at other people differently? And if you're a parent, how do we become just a little bit better of a parent? So mm-hmm. come on back, folks. You're listening to The Great People Show. I don't feel like... The Great People Show will be right back. Call into the show at 804-454-1366. That's 804-454-1366. Now back to The Great People Show live. Call into the studio at 804-454-1366. That's 804-454-1366. All right, everyone, welcome back to the show. I'm uh, glad that James was able to make it back in the studio. Uh, he's out selling uh, iPads in the parking lot, and we were worried he got shanked. So I'm glad I'm to okay. see there's no holes in your body, and uh, and um, you didn't have any kind of like... Uh, uh, dine and dash on you out there. I'm okay. But, you know, I was out there thinking, and I, I did have a question, sure. JJ. So on the show, you know, we don't talk a whole lot about what you and I do professionally. Uh, but I think that it is very applicable today since we have, again, the 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 uh, family right. member of Dale Carnegie in yep. the studio with us. And a lot of people hear Dale Carnegie mentioned from time to time, but I don't think that a lot of our listeners completely understand exactly who Dale Carnegie was and, yeah. and what it is. Now, how to make friends and influence people, by far one of the best books I've ever read. Uh, if, if you are in business at all and you have not read that book uh, by Dale Carnegie, uh, it was written, gosh, how many in the 19... 1930s? I like how you quickly got us off the sh- James getting shanked subject and, and got us back to Dale no, Carnegie. But, you know, I just... There's a cover-up going on here, I folks. I think he's okay. <laughs> <laughs> but 
I think it's worth talking a little bit about about Dale and and who he was and what Dale Carnegie does today to just sort of put all this in a little bit of context for everybody. Uh-huh. How long do we? We're looking at you. <laughs> I, mean, I didn't know the guy so. because it's it's an incredible story. I he was born into poverty in a rural farm in Missouri in which they lived close enough to a river that it was constantly flooding their farm, and they often had low times. They had pigs that they raised that would succumb to cholera. And Mm. his father had a sixth-grade education. His mother was more well-educated. She was a Breckenridge, and um, that went back to uh, political people that were in office. She was a teacher. And she made sure the boys were well-educated. He got good enough grades to get into the state university. Today it is, what's the name of the, the Missouri? University of Central Missouri. UCMA. University. Yep. So he, he got good enough grades to get into the university, but they couldn't afford room and board. So they had to sell that farm and buy another one right outside the school so Dale Carnegie could commute. He was not particularly popular, and he would he was very close to his mom, and he would go home and Sounds say— Sounds like you, James. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Poor— un- No, I'm just kidding. That's right. He would go home and say, what can I do to increase my popularity? Didn't want to do sports because he was still working the farm, still getting up early to feed the pigs, and he thought, well, public speaking, there's a lot of successful people there. And so he got involved and had failure after failure after failure, and finally some people took him under his wings, and he— started to succeed. And uh, it brought him tremendous joy, popularity, and eventually he uh, left the university, started selling, made enough money to go to New York to become an actor. Now, his mom wanted him to be either a minister or a teacher, and he became an actor. This was a very faith-centered family in which they would read the Bible every day, being a, a being an actor was not on the list. She would write him letters, Dear Dale, bend down to the preachers, and we have been praying for your soul. <laughs> yeah, like most parents would. Um, yeah. So it lasted about a year. He went back to New York and tried to find success, eventually started to figure out his passion. Because when we all figure out our passion, we are much more can likely we, to be successful. Can we hinge off that just for a minute? We can always Tailgate off. off of it. <laughs> Trail off. I don't know what word I should be using yes. here. It's when you find your passion, and yes. I and I and I it, I believe that is what most people are really looking for. I don't mm-hmm. think most people are walking around wondering what their calling is. I think they're just looking for some passion. I saw a statistic yesterday that eighty six percent of people are not fully happy in their job. Mm. They're not fully engaged. Crazy. Eighty six percent. And so statistically, most of you that are listening to the show right now, and wherever you're listening to it, you're, you're not really happy with what you do. You're really missing some some passion. And you used a key word there. You find it. Mm. And I think so many people are waiting for something to happen for them, or even more specifically to them, to find that passion. And and I think I think uh, the divine intervention that Dale went through is is a big part of that, that if you aren't consistently seeking what it is that you want to be passionate about, it's it's not impossible, but improbable that you're really going to find it, that you're just going to get lucky. And most most of us go through, what's the statistic? Most people have like 10 jobs uh, before they're like 40 years old or whatever the statistic mm-hmm. is. It's, it's not because they don't necessarily like what they do. It's that they're not fully passionate about it. Mm. And, and that's something that I think Dale was instrumental. I think that's what he actually chased in, in his early business is 
not to teach people to be better public speakers, not to teach be, people just to be better people, but find your passion and, and be passion. And I, and I saw something else today that neuroscientists, <clears throat> excuse me, are starting to find now that we only are really learning things if we're physically involved with it, hmm. which is where a lot of higher education isn't happening or you sit and you just listen that there's this this part of your brain that gets initiated when you're moving Hmm. and when you're learning and that that's how that we actually learn and dale was doing this stuff in the early 1900s by literally getting people up so far out of their comfort zone that they found passion they just found the feeling of passion and if you don't know what it really feels like if you've not experienced it then you're just literally going to keep walking around looking for it until it just dawns on you. Well, he said the secret to success, a little-known secret to success is enthusiasm. Mm-hmm. And by that, I think it was embracing that positive attitude, deciding today this is going to be a great day. Yep. This is this is important. This is what I like to do. Um, and he would look at people with that curiosity that you talked about earlier, and he would see their potential. And if, if he could... Bring it up if he could allow them to have an aha moment and get them where it was even higher yeah. than he felt he had done something. Yeah. yeah, And it's difficult for us to, I think, feel like two things. I don't think we know when we've arrived. Mm-mm. And I don't think people really want to arrive because whenever you have arrived, you feel like you're done. And we're in a chase it society. Mm-hmm. Work harder, get paid more money, get more things. And if I've arrived... If I've landed where I'm supposed to land, that's boring. I don't want to get. I just don't want to be bored. That's boring to me. Yeah, but sometimes we're just so busy with our day to day, we're not even thinking. Yeah. We're just going through the motion. Well, are we not missing that opportunity to get more? When I was at a convention, I went into the gym, did my hour workout, came out and said, "Check that box." And I was walking out with somebody else from the company, and they said, "Yes." <laughs> I, it is great wow. to be alive, Cesar from from Mexico, and uh, he said, "Isn't it wonderful? We just did that." And I'm thinking, "Yeah, I checked that box." And he came out vibrant and alive, and I thought, "Wow, I've been missing the boat." When yeah. I go into exercise, I can't be saying, "Let's just get this over with," because I'm not getting as much out of it. But but ex- exercise is a great example <laughs> to to just what JJ are was you, saying. Are you pointing a knife at me? I, <laughs> I know. Our, well, our radio listeners can't see. Yes, we've got the Ginger Kid toys here, and we have a wooden uh, cleaver. I don't think it's that a coincidence been, that we were talking about you I've getting been, shanked in the parking lot earlier, and you're <laughs> holding a knife the, uh, and pointing it towards me. But no, exercise, <laughs> exercise is another great example where when we arrive, so many people they they have a goal. I, I want to lose forty pounds, mm-hmm. and they drive and they drive and they drive to that goal. And then once they've lost the forty pounds. They never stop at the gym again, and that's where it all starts coming back. It's yeah. true in your career. It's true with exercise. It's true in so many things. And I think that that is mm-hmm. a huge point, JJ, that that once we have arrived, we have a tendency to say, okay, been there, done that. Now What's what? Next? What's next? And, What's and next? we start to go backwards a lot of the time. Yeah. JJ, you're a marathon runner. Did that ever, <laughs> no, did that, did that I, ever happen to can you? I, can I have you reframe that word? <laughs> I, at one point, ran a marathon. <laughs> Half marathons? I've, I've, I haven't ran in a while. My feet said, you're done, buddy. But did you not have that experience? I'm oh, going to prepare and I'm going to accomplish this. This is my vision. Then you do it. What happens? Well, the reason I haven't ran a marathon since is I was so ultra-focused on that very first one. I would have... 
I would have ran my my miles at four in the morning if I had to because I was so goal focused. It was mm. running the marathon. I ran it. I had an amazing experience. The first thing I said, I'm going to do it again. Wow! But when I was training for that second marathon, I I slacked a little bit because I'd been there, done that. Uh, maybe I don't need to run all 14 of those miles today. And then when I got to the marathon, I had one of the worst running experiences of my life. And it's because my mind said, you've already achieved this goal. You don't have to worry about it as much. And I was doing it for just a, a completely different reason. And, and it led to me physically having problems that I'll never be able to run a marathon again. And I don't mm. think... I think they're very related. I think my mental attitude, slacking on the training, pushing myself too far because I wasn't focused on the right things is what led me to injury. And 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 I heard you say something earlier I want to ask you about. I have these three key points that, that set on me this morning about being able to know when we've arrived or what our calling is, is being able to listen to our vision. These were the words that came to me this morning about listening to our vision. And I'm just curious from both of you and even Asher, if you want to jump in on this, when I, when I ask you, are you listening to your vision, what does that mean to you? Mm. Anybody? Well, I think it means that that we know in our heads, we, we hear what it is that we need to be doing. But I think a lot of the time we choose to ignore that. Mm. Uh, we mm-hmm. choose to go a different direction. Maybe we choose to go the easier direction. Maybe it's a direction that, that we have other motivations for following. But, uh, but I think that, I think that we all have, have visions that, that, it's easier not to follow. Them. Yeah. So when we get back from break, and I'm uh, and especially if you're one of our listeners and you want to call in and answer this, what does this mean? Whenever you say, when you hear the words, "Are you listening to your vision?" Mm-hmm. Um, to be part of the show, call us at eight zero four four five four one three six six. You're listening to the Great People Show. The Great People Show will be right back. Call into the show at 804-454-1366. That's 804-454-1366. Now back to The Great People Show live. Call into the studio at 804-454-1366. That's 804-454-1366. Everyone, welcome back to The Great People Show. We're in the studio here. Just uh, I got the knife back from James. Uh, I'm going to shank him here in a little bit when we're done. I'm just cutting some lemons, some oranges. Some, I'm going to make a smoothie. I've got a, hey, I've got a banana, lemons, I'm a and nurse when you shank them. It's all right. Okay. So we, we're all protected. We're all protected. Uh, so on today's show, we uh, have in the studio with us here a special guest, Marie Ringler. And I just asked the question before we, we jumped off to break. What does it mean whenever someone asks you, are you listening to your vision? And James gave us a comment. Marie, what do you think? What does it mean to you when you're listening to your vision or not listening to your vision? I Intuition is one of my stronger gifts. Okay. Intuition. All right. And so to me, listening to the vision is understanding at that moment what we are supposed to do and say and how we are to act. Okay. So like if if I'm in the Dale Carnegie room, something pops in, I ask sometimes questions that seem irrelevant, and suddenly Hmm. that person gets out of their head and they're in their heart. I know I've done that the right thing. That's why I've learned to respect my intuition. Does anyone here feel like their intuition sometimes scares them and you just ignore it because it scares you? No, I, I don't. I don't ever okay. feel that way. But sometimes I ignore my intuition for other reasons. Why? Like what? 
because sometimes because it's easier not to sometimes because what my intuition is telling me to do uh, could be stressful on my family. Yeah. Uh, could put things at risk for us that uh, right now I'm not willing to risk. Yeah. Um, I think there are all sorts of different reasons we don't we don't listen to our, our intuition. Isn't, isn't life amazing though that uh, we back away from it and then it comes back and then we back away from it? Like I, I've seen some things that I've backed away from for a decade. Yeah. That my intuition just says, uh uh-uh, uh. All right, not JJ, lay it out. What what's your what, what have being you... on the radio? Ah. Being, this this show was an idea presented to me <clears throat> that I had almost twenty years ago. Hmm. It took me almost twenty years. To have the courage to say, fine, fine, fine. I'll do it, self. I'll do it. So another one, uh, so we talked about this listen to the vision. And this has been a favorite word of mine for probably a a couple years now is the word surrender. And being able to let ourselves perhaps just be weak or let ourselves just stop controlling so many things in your life. I think you need to surrender before you listen to your vision because if you're not surrendering, if you're not – and when I mean surrender, I don't mean giving up and quitting. That Not in the in the typical word of surrender, but literally quit trying to create so much in your life that you're trying to create the wrong thing. Mm. That you're trying to just build this – what turns out to be for so many of us a house of cards because we think it's what we want. And we, we have to finally say, fine, I give up. What's what's it supposed to be for me? What's what's it supposed to be? James, what you have? Well, no, on? I think so. And I I think the other thing that a lot of us feel is that a lot of us have been burned by our intuition. Ooh. So a lot of us have followed our intuition mm. and and we feel like that intuition has led us down the wrong path. Maybe it led to a failure. Uh, maybe it led to a, a disaster. And it's just like in love and so many other things. Once you get burned uh, once, sometimes it's hard to go and follow it uh, after that. Yeah. I think there's a discernment between our ego feeding us something that is not going to be helpful. And we think that's our intuition versus intuition. So if you are truly following that path you were supposed to, I don't think you're going to get burned, James, but it could be wrong. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And it may just be the ego inside and we can't differentiate between is that something I think I need or right. is it is it uh, you know well these are good questions so then so then how do you know the difference I don't disagree but uh, then so then how do you know the difference you get older and you go through <laughs> <laughs> it becomes really clear when you're 80 it's everything is crystal clear is that, yeah. yeah yeah well it's, it, there is something to be said about that because you start to shed some of these things that uh, you realize are very meaningless in life and is that where our intuition will be uh-huh. um, in the yeah. more helpful side so you wouldn't be ending up in hot water? Yeah. No, definitely. And a part uh, of this also is is the third point here that, that I was thinking about this morning is how do you imagine yourself? I think our imagination constructs the world in which we live hmm. one way or the other. If we imagine ourselves having a stressful day because you've physically said, I'm stressed out today, shocking that you end up with – a stressful day. I mean, if you're it, so, we don't really. I don't think I. I can speak to this very confidently. I don't imagine myself the way I should. I, I don't imagine my right now. Uh, let me let me take a step back. Six months ago, I did not imagine me being on a radio show that would be on multiple stations. Now, in the last couple of weeks, that's the only thing I've imagined myself being. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Is that James and I are on uh, 900 radio stations across the United States? Awesome, absolutely, and yeah. and we're working toward that goal right now. Yep. 
I, it starts with imagination. Mm-hmm. It starts what, with imagination. JJ, if you were a farmer and you planted beans, you're not going to get corn. Do we have any beans? Oh, we have you know, corn. But can I get a corn? But you're not going to get if you plant beans, you're not going to get corn. Right. If you plant tomatoes, you're not going to get squash. Yep. So it's the same thing when it, with our thoughts. Whatever the thoughts are that we are planting, those are the seeds that are going to come to fruition. Mm-hmm. So that if you're saying today's going to be a horrible day, well, lo and behold, it becomes a terrible day. And you have the power to shift that thinking and, and what you're planting. And I think where the imagination really gets us in trouble is that we sit on the front porch of the farmhouse and say, wouldn't it be great if I had corn? Yeah. Ah. And then the next day you wake up and you say, as you look over those fields, wouldn't it be great if I had corn? <laughs> and then it happened every single day. And then year after year, you start to wonder, why didn't I ever get any corn? <laughs> because it was all imagination. Ah, because you didn't do the hard work it required in order to to lead to that fruition of and, the crop. And I'm curious if, Marie, if this has happened to you, James, anybody, really, where um, – <clears throat> let's, let's stick with this farmer analogy because uh, Sam – is convinced that I'm going to one day be a farmer. Here, have some eggplant. I, oh, thanks. It's quite a small piece of eggplant. It's smaller than the, the corn. That doesn't compute for me. But um, So uh, we can take the tomato and turn it into an eggplant parm. Oh, okay. So um, so what if, you're, um, what if you're the farmer and you just keep imagining corn and it, and it absolutely never happens to you, um, but you're, you're not supposed to actually – plant corn. And of course, then one day you end up saying, oh, I wish I would have planted some corn because I, but here's what happens. People keep walking by the farmhouse and saying, you can't plant corn out here. The soil won't carry it. Mm -hmm. You don't have enough water. It'll never make it. Your floods will keep getting flooded or your Mm -hmm. your fields will stay flooded. That's Mm -hmm. the worst idea possible. So every day that farmer says, you know what? They're probably right. Mm. I probably can't. I probably won't. And now more than ever, and I think this happens to us, when we put ourselves further out there, I'm personally witnessing this in my life right now. The more you put yourself out there, the more people will rise up and say, that's a bad idea. You can't do it. Absolutely. I mean, I, one of the one of my favorite examples of that is is Walt Disney, when uh, you know when this guy bought thousands of acres in Central Florida that was mostly <laughs> swampland, swamp yep. and people told him that he was absolutely insane. First of all, who the heck is going to travel to Central Florida for a theme park? Second of all, even if you tried to build it, it's going to sink into the ground <clears throat> and it'll be a disaster. And Walt, he wasn't an engineer or anything. The, the man was was an, was an animator, and and <laughs> He's and he. And and he told everybody that they were wrong, and he ultimately proved everybody wrong. But, man, what conviction mm-hmm. he had to have in that vision when you've got experts telling you that you're wrong, and he still said, no, you know what? I'm going to find a way to do it. Let's break this down. It's unstoppable vision. Mm. It's unrelentless passion. What else? What is it? It's hard work. Once hard work. you have that vision, it's not enough to say you're wrong. You have to act. You have to do something about because if you don't plant the corn, you will never have corn. So you have to see the vision. You have to do what it takes to have that happen. Yeah, like you, you have you have to be able to shed so much negativity on a regular basis. Mm. And and how much does intuition play into this? Where you have to, um, and I wonder in that case what his intuition was telling him. Was it screaming, Walt, don't stop? Mm-hmm. Or was it screaming, you know, they're right, Walt. 
Maybe his imagination was. Wait, wait, we know this is interesting. We're talking about Walt Disney, right? The king of imagination. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> right? absolutely. He he must have had such an amazing amount of imagination on what this could be. He just literally convinced himself, "I can't not do this." He must have surrounded himself with people that had that same vision. Yeah, yeah. he must have. Yeah, and yep. cut loose the people that said no. Yeah, and no. and uh, and then just. Said it's going to happen. That's an interesting concept, cutting loose, right? You just slide them to the side and say, <clears throat> you know what? You're not really helping me with my vision, so you need to go away. Bye-bye. Yeah. I, and that's that's not an easy thing to do. Again, mm-hmm. if, if, you know, if I wanted to build a theme park in the middle of a swamp, I, I'm pretty sure I would listen to the civil engineers uh, mm. telling me that, you know, <laughs> it can't be done. And when I finally find the one that says it can, to, to listen to that person— and to not listen to the 30 that have told me oh that I'm wrong mm. would be a very tough thing. We live in a world of people that tell us they can't do it. I love yeah. the story of the first iPhone where the very first – it was six months before they wanted to launch it, and the screen was plastic. And Steve Jobs said, absolutely, it feels like a toy. It's got to have glass. I and would have saved a lot of money a- on to that. Uh, both James and I are holding iPhone 10s right now. That's a couple grand between us. Uh. But they, they said that can't be done, and he said, figure it out make it happen. And I still don't know to this day if that model on the stage actually had a glass screen or not, <laughs> but the the one that launched did. Yeah. It had a glass screen. It's it's you've got to have someone with such driving vision that you have to challenge other people's thinking. And you know, maybe those people will go away because they don't like to be challenged. And then you find people that are captivated by the vision and they say, "Let's do this. Let's freaking make it happen." And you know the book Outliers where he takes a look at patterns. Have yeah. you read that book? I love it. Yeah. Um he says in order to be successful, you know, you need a few few items, but one of the things you need is 10,000 hours yeah. of investment into that. So <clears throat> these highly successful people, it didn't just happen. They invested a whole yeah. lot of time and energy. Yeah, we're having a little mic problem there. So, um, so we're, the show's actually getting ready to come to an end. I mean, maybe this is Asher just cutting us off because it's time to go. <laughs> This show has been absolutely amazing. Marie, thank you for being here on the show with us and just being uh, a, a part of today's, um, a, well, part of today's show. But we're going to really challenge our listeners right now that if if you are being stopped from achieving what you feel you need to achieve in life, especially if you're surrounded by people that are trying to get in your way, maybe you need to surrender to something bigger than you. You need to really listen to your vision and you need to take that imagination that you've had and just run with it. Just absolutely run with it. I don't know if you have a mic here, Marie, so I'm going to pass you mine. Send send us home, Marie. It has been my pleasure to be here, uh, to be surrounded by greatness, to listen to some ideas that are fun and innovative, and it's been a pleasure to to spend a couple of days in Richmond. We have a lot of fun here in the show, folks. So thank you all for being here. We'll see you next Thursday at 9 a.m., whether it be on uh, Facebook Live or 97.7 FM, 8.20 a.m. The Answer. Come back and see us because we are your guide to to greatness. greatness. Thanks, Marie, for being here. Uh, You're welcome. Safe travels back home. Thank you very much. All right, folks, go out and get your vision and make it happen. Let it rip. Thanks for joining us. Tune in to The Great People Show again next week, Thursdays, 9 a.m. to 10 a.m.